you, Dr. James. We appreciate it. And uh, again, give honor to uh, Pastor Bill and Pastor Carolyn. Uh, honor to be here with you tonight and what God is doing here and all the other ministers here. What a wealth of uh, resource and wisdom and knowledge uh, that's that's here in the house. And we, we give honor to you. And, uh, you know, my wife, I, I do have a wife, by the way. Um, um, and she is, she... <laughs> Oh, there she is. Hey, come on up here, baby. I was trying to think who that pretty girl was sitting beside the other pretty lady there. And uh, and, um, and, and, and unless you know, because uh, many times she's been over with the kids. And um, so I'm going to, She, in fact, she just got a job today with Life Services in St. Augustine. And she's really uh, having an opportunity to reach out to a, a lot of young ladies that are going to be coming in. And be praying about whether you know they're going to keep the baby the full term or not, and she has an opportunity to. She's helping in the office there and the administration there. So, can you? Amen. Thirty-three years together. Can you pray for me and just ask God to bless? Like, why am I up here? He just really went. I really am at church. If you see him, I am here. Buy him over with the important little people. Okay. All right. So glad to be here. I'm going to pray. To Heavenly Father, you are good. Everybody say that with me. You are good. You are faithful. And to Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. The minute it goes forth from a mouth, it's power. So, Lord, I pray that tonight our ears will be open, our eyes will see exactly what the heart of God wants us to see. Nothing else. But what the heart of God wants us to see, Lord, we stand obedient to hear and then apply the word of God. So what I pray for my husband, as he speaks forth the word, that everything that comes forth will be from heaven. That he'll speak for revelation. Because, Lord, even if it's something that's been heard before, the word of God is living. Because every time we open it, every time we listen to it, Something new speaks to the depth of our heart. So, Lord, today I choose, we choose to move to the next level. We stand ready to receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you, Baden. Now I can preach. Um, just to uh, uh, give, uh, give you a little update of kind of where we've been, uh, our kids are all now in Michigan and our grandkids. You can pray for us. Yes, they're up there in, in Michigan. and and God's doing some phenomenal things in, in worship and uh, the ministry they have there in uh, Rochester Hills. They're at a church called Rochester Christian Center. My son is is on staff with the, um, the the former youth pastor for Brownsville Revival. When when all the stuff that was happening in Brownsville was going with the adults, the kids were having the same exact thing happening, lines and lines and kids. And his pastor that he's serving with is, is, is that pastor that was there with the youth uh, some years ago. And so a lot of God's doing some great things. To give you just a, a brief update of <clears throat> where we're at, uh, I've been in jail a lot lately. Um, and, and, so, uh, and I mean that literally. I was, I was there uh, several hours today, and uh, I, I, I have the privilege of ministering to about over 100 inmates every uh, single month uh, in various classes that we're doing. And, and you know, we, what we're trying to do is I'm trying to get the word 
you know, because they've all heard the word, but get it, for, get it from a, being a two-dimensional thing to a three-dimensional thing. I tell them, I, I say, I'm trying to get it from here to here to here. And, uh, you know, I told them, I said, look, you know, uh, my mission is, and a lot of them are, in, most of them will be, you know, heading back to society or life within a month, two months, three months, because, you know, it is a jail. It's not, it's not a prison, which prison they do longer time. And uh, I said, my mission is to, to get you where I don't see you anymore unless I see you on the streets. But I don't want to see you anymore here. And, and give them true principles from the Word of God that will help them. I said, look, I, I want it to uh, be like uh, don't let the door hit you with the good Lord split you, you know, and, and you stay out of here, okay? And so I, I'm, I'm very cognizant of, 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 and we're seeing a lot of great things happening there. Other things that are going on in St. Augustine, just, just uh, a move of God. We're, we're able to touch a number of people. But we've had to be the church mobile. We've discovered that not everybody comes to our deals when we have them on during the week. You know, we invite people to come on Monday night. And they're unchurched because they're unchurched, right? So some of them just ain't going to go to church. So we bring the church to them through coffee and through prayer and through loving on them. And they're coming to us for prayer. We're kind of the de facto chaplains of our condo uh, complex. So God has given us an opportunity there. And there's several other things going on, but um, I just wanted to give you that uh, uh, heads up by by way of connection. And... uh, also, just uh, something to pray with us about, and we'll be presenting it to you. It's called Lead, Love, uh, Elevate, Activate, and Dedicate. And we're believing that we're going to have 12 young people that are going to be with us this whole summer for six weeks. And we can pour into them the principles of leadership, godliness, character, uh, get them on on-ramp, whether they're going to go to college or get a, a, you know, go into a career, uh, doing apologetics, everything they need to prepare them for the next stage in life. So it will be for rising seniors, the ones that have already graduated, and pray with us as we do that. We're looking to select 12 students who want to, whosoever will. You know, we're not going to make them. We're not going to beg them. You know, it's going to cost them something, okay? And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, uh, pour into them. So pray with us as we, as we do that this summer. And I do have to recognize J.L. Mybell's birthday. Is it today or yesterday? Yesterday, 20 years old. Excellent. Yeah, she's, she's embarrassed. But that's a thing. Um, when change comes a-calling, what do you do? Uh, I, I want you to look in, in, in Acts chapter 10 because we're going to be in there most of the the day tonight, uh, but I like that song, constant through the trials and the change, right? One thing remains, one thing remains, his love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. His love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. His love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. His love. Right? Understand this, that our God never changes. He's immutable. The thing about it is we change. Look in the mirror. <laughs> I say that uh, every, when I look in the mirror, I, use, I have this sunken chest syndrome. My chest doesn't sunk down to my drawers, okay? You know, uh, you just, 
you know, gravitational pull as you get closer to the embalming position happens. So, so the reality is change is a coming. So what do you do when change comes a calling? Well, I want to give you some examples of a couple guys that, uh, that walked through that. Uh, but I want to talk to you. you. You know, we all know about change, right? Um, uh, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, and, and when you have given your life to Jesus Christ, some of you have been on the way for however many years. I've been on the way for over 30 years. There's been others that have been on the way 30, 40 years, some of you 20, some of you 10, some of you 5, whatever that, that is. But at some point, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, it, it reminds me of, of, of the process of metamorphosis. Okay? And you know what? And, and I liken it to, um, at, at one point, we were like worms, you know? Caterpillars, you know? And, and so here we are. We're, we're wandering around. We're worms. We're caterpillars. And something begins to happen, and we begin to eat a lot of vegetation. So, so we, we start out as worms, you know. We, we're, we're, we're at the bottom end uh, when we come to Christ, right? And I, I don't mean to be rude by doing that or, 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 or demean anybody, but just go with me for the story, okay? Just, just help me a little bit, okay? And then you eat a lot of vegetation, so you're hungry for the Lord. So you're eating vegetation like crazy. I mean, you're, you're, you're going every tree, everything, every time the pastor preaches. I remember when I first got saved, man, I went to everything, Brother Dominic. You know, my Lord, I was, man, I went to Sunday. This is the time when we had Sunday morning and Sunday night. So I went Sunday morning and Sunday night. But we had two services on Sunday morning, so I went to Sunday both services on Sunday morning, went to Sunday school in between, went to Sunday night. Then I went to uh, a men's Bible study that we had during the week. And then I went to the women's Bible study that we had during the, the other time of the week. And then I went to other things, you see, because I was hungry for the Lord. And I was eating as much as I could eat, right? And then the things started happening by which a process that you began to um, build this house, the Bible says that we are a nail, not mouse, okay, which is a, a temple of, of God. And so we build this house, and, and, and so the temple begins to, we, we begin to build this cocoon or a chrysalis, you see. And so we build this cocoon, and it's beautiful, and you're there, and, and, and you're, you're changing all along, you know. You've, you've had the vegetation, you've grown, and you're starting to change, Right? And after, not, not too long after that, you start to come out of this chrysalis, right? And you could become completely metamorphosized, if you will. Is that a word? Where you change into a beautiful butterfly. And, you, and understand this. When you're coming out of the cocoon, when you're coming out of that, you can't ever, you know, I've been told that you can't help them to come out of the cocoon. Because if you did, it would keep the butterfly or moth or whatever from developing this, the wing strength to, to fly and, and soar like it needs to. And so we get out of the cocoon and uh, we fly and we're flying and we're catching the different wind currents and we're, we're doing great. We're a beautiful butterfly, right? But then stuff happens. Maybe we hit a bad wind current, right? Maybe uh, the, the flight plan changes a little bit. You know, the monarch, monarch butterflies, they have a certain flight plan, plan that they fly to, certain area that they fly to, right? And, and, and they never deviate from that path. But in our lives, 
after this beautiful expansion of being becoming a butterfly, man, our flight plan gets changed. Stuff happens. Change comes a calling in our life, and sometimes we just can't help it. You know? How about this? When when a loved one gets sick, that's pretty significant change, don't you think? Right? Um, what about the kind of change occurs when you get the C diagnosis? That's a change. How about when your parents or your spouse develops Alzheimer's? Pretty significant change, isn't it? How about maybe that little boy or girl that you raised with such great potential decides to waste their life and perhaps ends up in in incarceration? I, I often think of somebody who's homeless, or I think of these men that I deal with that are incarcerated, and I thought they were someone's little boy. There were someone's little boy with all the great potential in the world. What happened? Some of you may be facing that as sure as I'm sitting here. Right? How about the hope of a promotion in a company and, and, and it changes into downsizing of your position and now you're faced with unemployment? How about a business that you started that you knew it was from God? And How about that granddaughter or son who that shows up on your doorstep in the middle of the night because the child that you raised now couldn't handle the job of raising their child. You drop them off on your doorstep. I say that's change is coming to call it, don't you agree? Nothing you could do about it. You couldn't help yourself. You couldn't, you know, it, it's stuff that happens. Right? It's more than coming to Jesus. We come to Jesus and understand this, folks. When you come to Jesus, the only time that it's about you is when you come to Jesus. After that, it becomes about everybody else. But every time after you're going to run into situations and roadblocks and changes, and I'm I, I really not going to depress you. I hope I, hope I don't. But I, I want to bring some reality to you so that you understand where I'm coming from. So there was a man that uh, went through some change. Now let me say this to you. When, when change comes a calling, you can embrace it and trust God, even when it defies your prayers or logic. Sometimes, folks, the change that happens in our life just doesn't add up to our prayers. Sometimes God just don't think like we do. Fathom that. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes even the scriptures we claim don't go the way we claim them. Mm. Well, Dominic, man, I can't uh, understand it. So you can trust God in the midst when change comes a calling, or you can remember you can remember that our God doesn't change, and or, or you can remain the same. See, you can trust God, and you can change with what God's doing, or you can remain the same. See, remember, our God doesn't change, but you and I do, right? He's immutable. That's the hope we have. My hope is, my hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. You know the rest? On So, we have that hope in Christ. So, I, I want to direct your attention to Acts chapter 10, and we want to look at the life of Cornelius real quick. That was just the introduction. That was for free. Um, so, uh, but I, I wanted to set the stage or set the story for you so that you understand um, what happens when change comes a calling. Now, there was a man in, in verse 1 of chapter 10. It says there was a man uh, at Caesarea. His name was Cornelius, a centurion uh, that was called the Italian cohort, a devout man, one who feared God with all his house and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And the ninth hour of the day, of the day he clearly saw a vision, an angel of God, who had just come in. And, 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 and I'll, I'll go on further with that. But So understand this. We all can be candidates for change. He, Cornelius was a candidate for change because, first off, he reverenced God. The Bible says he was a devout man, so he reverenced God and made sure his household did. See, I make sure I've made sure and made great efforts to make sure my whole household reverenced God. And anybody who lived in my house, we made sure they reverenced and understood who the God, their creator, the God of the universe was. We always did that. We always had a bunch of people live. We were pastoring in the inner city. We always had our two white kids and four to six to eight other kids, okay, that were not white, okay? And they lived with us, and we raised them, and we encouraged them, and we poured into them, you see? And we always pointed into, poured into them the hope of the gospel and showed them who Jesus is and how Jesus works amongst their family. Not only that, he was a giver. He was a giver of alms, and he gave gifts of charity to the... He had a heart for God's people, so he was a giver. So um, uh, he was a candidate for change or a candidate for the miraculous, however you want to look at it, by the fact that he was a giver. So understand this, folks. When you become... When you reverence your life to the Lord and when you're devout before the Lord, and when you become a giver, and then also, this is another thing that he did, is that he prayed continuously, okay? And he was a candidate, don't you think, for a visitation from God, right? He became, he put himself in that position. The Virgin Mary was like that. She was a candidate for the miraculous. She became a candidate to house the miraculous. Why was that? Because she was devout, right? She prayed. And not only that, she was obedient. She said, Lord, whatever, I don't know, I don't understand this, but whatever you want to do in my life, go ahead. And she became a candidate to house the miraculous. And see, we can become candidates for change in our lives. You can embrace it, or you can be afraid of it and stay the same. I'd rather embrace it, okay? Even through trials, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, okay? Uh, see, understand this. God is always looking for someone just to believe him. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support, get this, strongly support those whose heart is completely 
his. God's got your back. He wants to support you and help you. He's looking for somebody who will just believe him. Say, I'm that one. I'm, I'm the one. Come on, say it with me. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one that's going to believe God for it. I'm the one that's going to get my miracle. I'm the one that's going to get my blessing. I'm the one. Yeah, you can be selfish in this case. Okay? And also this, that God always has a remnant, that one who does and whose heart is fully his. And Cornelius, the Gentile, was one of the ones. Then there's the divine setup. God has his ways and means committing. How many of you know to get you to change and to get you to where he needs you to be, he has his ways and means committing? You know what they are? Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and trials. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. I always tell the guys, and I, I, I'm doing a series of messages with the guys in, in, the, in the jail, that there, you have to, when you get to a dead-end street, you have to make a three-point turn. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, at some point, you have to decide you're going to go with God. You're going to flow with God. You're going to do you're going to capitulate to the change, and we'll talk more about that as we go. So, so Cornelius receives a, an open vision about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he saw a vision of an angel. Let's continue on with the story. And, and so uh, about the ninth hour, which is 3 in the afternoon, he clearly saw in a vision of the angel of God who had just come and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him, he's being much alarmed. What is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel was speaking to him, uh, he left, uh, had left, he summoned two of the servants, a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them. To Joppa. Sometimes the Lord not only does we have do we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and angels, okay, but also we have dreams, we have visions, we have revelation, we have that still small voice. God is all the time speaking to us, but the problem is we got to get on His channel. Many times we're on the wrong channel. And he wants us to get on the right channel. If we get on the right channel, he'll tell us what we need to do next. He'll tell us how to navigate the change that's going to come. And, folks, change will come. If, if you haven't experienced, how many here have experienced change in some form or fashion in their life? How many of you have experienced some disappointment, some things that just didn't work out the way you thought they ought to work out? Okay. I'm not alone. Thought I might be alone in this thing, but I'm not. Okay. And then, how about Peter? Let, let's look at uh, verse nine. And on the next day, they were on their way and approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour—that's lunchtime—to pray, and he became hungry. Right? That's natural. You're going to be hungry at lunch, ain't you? Okay. You know, uh, if you got kids around your house, they're always hungry. Okay. Where we were at in, in the urban areas, they was hungry, you know. They were always, you know. And so Peter gets up there, and he has a vision. And what do you think Peter thought about? He thought about food. 
But guess what? This vision didn't quite look the way he thought it ought to look. He thought there was going to be Manischewitz, and he thought there was going to be, uh, you know, uh, nice, uh, nice bread, and he thought there was going to be uh, leg of lamb, and he thought there was going to be all of this other Jewish kosher thing. And guess what? God lays out a piz- pic- picnic blanket for him with pig's feet, all right, hog intestines, hog jaws, and, um, uh, you know, uh, shrimp and all the bottom dweller type food. And he gets his vision, Peter, pick it up and eat it. All right? And he saying, no, no, Lord, ain't going to do that. That's unclean. I have never touched that stuff. You see? Reminds me of, I tell you what, you talk about stuff. We, again, I told you we pastored in an urban area. And, man, some of them kids, oh, Lord. I, I just had to ban it one day. They were eating, they trying to eat pickled pig's feet. In the back of my van. Have you ever smelled pickled pig's feet? Oh, no. It, well, you know. And then they, so I, I banned the pickled pig's feet. And then they tried to eat pickled eggs. It's just as bad. So I banned it from my van, period. Okay. But I don't know why I said that. To say that Peter was charged in this vision eat stuff he didn't eat, eat, eat uh, an un, unkosher type of diet. So you understand this, Peter's and Cornelius' lives were about to be changed. See, change doesn't always look like we planned or hoped. So the Gentiles showed up at his door. See, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, angels you weren't aware of sometimes will show up at your door. Church folk may show up at your door. Perhaps a baby you didn't plan on may show up at your door. Uh, a president you didn't vote for may, may be in, in the works. A business that didn't succeed may show up at your door. A college uh, that didn't accept you may cause a change in your life. A parent you didn't expect to care for might show up at your door. Any of those things could show up at our door. Just like Peter had two Gentiles showed up at his door. And you realize how, what that was for Gentiles to associate with the Jew. You, you, if you don't, I'm going to tell you. There was a word they called the Gentiles. It was goyim. Okay? Now, I can't transliterate that for you because it wouldn't be proper in church. Okay? But that's what they thought of the Gentile folks. So here you have you have this dream, and, and arise, kill and eat, Peter, all of this stuff that was unkosher. And then all of a sudden knocking at your door are two goyim. Okay? They're at the door, and Peter thinks, and, and understand this. It's kind of like this, okay, when you think about it for a second. It's like, it, it, can you imagine Peter's response to the going? It's like a tree-hugging, pot-smoking, pro-abortion, card-carrying liberal showing up and asking for you to come to their house. Can you imagine that? Somebody knocking at your door, 
All right? They're smoking pot as they're talking to you. All right? They're as liberal as you know, as far left as you possibly can be, pro-abortion, everything like that, showing up at your door and saying, can you come to my house? Now, that's how it was for Peter. He's like, oh, my. I've got to go and hang out with these goyim. I've got to go and do with them. I've got to invite them in. See, when change comes a-calling, they don't always look the way you had hoped or the way you think it ought to look. You understand that? So you can welcome change or not. Sometimes they don't look like they expect. Sometimes you feel you're not ready for the change. Sometimes everything you prayed about and knew about the Lord's change, and if it didn't look like you expected, if you didn't look like you expected, you just couldn't find it. The change, the thing that was happening, you just couldn't find it in the Bible. Example, transgenderism. Where is that in the Bible? How do we deal with that? Oh, I know I know, Brother Dominic, he's, he's, he's about... Do you, do you understand that? Okay, I, I know it says in the, in, in the original covenant, uh, men don't dress like women and women don't dress like I get that. I get it. I got it. I got it. Not supposed to have tattoos either. I get it. You know, don't, don't cut on your body either. I know that. I understand all that. Okay. But the point is, how do we deal with that? When that change comes and it affects us, and when your child might come and say, I'm a transgender. You never would imagine that. But the point, how do you deal with it? How do we deal with it? When change comes and it's beyond our control to control the change. we got to capitulate to it. You know what capitulate means? It means roll with it. Flow with it. See, when you capitulate to change, as you're following Jesus, you can expect a demonstration of God's favor, because that's what Peter did. He capitulated to change, and God was about to give him a miracle they had never, ever seen or never thought he would see. Because who would have thought, from his mind, that he would ever see the Goyim get the blessing of God? Never in a million years Peter would have thought that, even though Jesus was all the time saying it. You know, Peter was kind of hard-headed. He just didn't get it all the time. And so so he, so he, Peter had his perspective changed. Let's look at chapter 10, verses 27 to 29. Chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. We're still in chapter 10. And look what it says. And in verse, here it is. And as he talked with him... Um, he entered and found many people assembled. Now, remember, he, he went with them. He invited them into his house, and he went to their house. Again, a, a wild thing for a, a, a Jewish uh, leader to, to associate with the Goyim, to associate with the Gentile. And he, and he does. And so, uh, and as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him, and yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising an objection and when I was sent for. So I ask, for what reason have you sent me? So here comes Peter. Um, 
has been divinely uh, orchestrated by God to get there and had his perspective changed. Now, don't th- do you think for a minute that Peter had a little bit of an elitist attitude? Would you think that maybe he was slightly racist? I would think so, okay? Even in his conversation, he was saying, look, you know, he's basically kind of saying, you guys are lucky that I'm here. <laughs> you know what I mean? In, in one sense, that that's the tone I get, you know? And, and, and looking at verse 34, to, to uh, and I'll prove that a little bit more, 34 to 36. It says, open his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. See, Peter comes into a revelation here. But every nation, uh, 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 every nation, the man who fears God and does what is right is welcome to him. And the word which he had sent to the cross, uh, the sons of Israel, were preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. For you yourselves know that the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed, you now know that this Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Peter recognized the change, embraced it, went along with it, and God put him in position to perform. You know, thank God for Peter, his obedience to the vision, because you and I would not be here right now. Us going would not be here worshiping and giving praise to God. But because Peter was obedient, who was arrogant, who was an elitist, who was a Jew, became obedient and did what God told him to do and preached Jesus to the Gentiles. You understand that now? See? See, understand this. Cornelius had his prayer answered, which was to be closer to God, the God he feared. He had his prayer, and his prayer came in the answer of Peter. See, also, when you capitulate to the change as you're following Jesus, you can expect expect the miraculous and his purposes to be revealed in your life. Folks, when change comes a-calling, roll with it, capitulate to it. Because when you do, you can expect his purposes to be revealed in your life and change begins to happen. Embrace the change when it happens. There's going to be sometimes that God, even in the midst of the most trials, and we'll talk about that in a minute, even in the midst of, of where things are the roughest, you can start to see the miraculous hand of God, how God got you through it. Right? And you'll have a reference point of what God has already done. So, not only that, you receive an effective witness of Jesus. Folks, i got to tell you, the stuff we don't do in church doesn't nearly impress me as much as the stuff we can do outside of the church. Okay? Look. Okay. I might... Okay. I'm going to try my eyes and go, go. No. Let me say it like this. I believe in the power of God being manifested in the house of the Lord. We want to see that, certainly. Yes. Amen. However, what it would be is if we could see the power of God manifested out there. This same Jesus went about doing good. Who carries the presence of Christ? 
You carry the presence of God. So that same Jesus that is in that was in the world then, and he rose again, and he left us the Holy Spirit, is the same Christ that's in present that is in you that gives you the power to do exactly what he did. In fact, he said greater things that you will do that he goes to the Father, leaves us to the positive of the Holy Spirit. Right? And that Jesus went about from village to village doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil and healing all sickness. When change comes, embrace it because you never know what could happen. You never know what could happen when you're sitting in an Alzheimer's wing with that loved one. And they see you walk through it with that loved one with grace and dignity. And somebody says, how did you do it? Because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. How did you handle that change? Jesus is in me. That's how I did it. That's how I did it. It was supernatural. I had the supernatural God in me. I can't fail. I can't not not do what he says. Because I have supernaturalness living inside of me. And it says, number two, it says you will receive an infusion of supernatural Holy Spirit power to help you with the change that when it comes a calling. Folks, somebody once said, Jesus is a crutch. I said, okay, if that be the case, I'll take two. One for this arm, one for this arm. Right? You see, you, we need the supernatural infusion of power to do life, folks. Life ain't easy. Stuff that's coming down the pipe ain't easy. Uh, you know, maybe because we have a favorable guy in the White House is what we see. It ain't easy still coming down the pipe. You're going to have to believe somewhere that God has given you the moxie, the Holy Ghost moxie, to do his will and his work in the earth today. Because it's going to take. You're going to be facing some bad boy demons, folks, and you're going to have to have your bags, you're going to have to have your guns, Holy Ghost guns packed, if I can use that. Okay? Yeah. And lastly, change can be difficult and daunting. I want to direct your attention to, and, and you know the story, Let's, let me just finish the story real quick about Peter. I don't want to jump ahead, but just to finish that story, I, I kind of just hit on some salient points, but... Um, Look what has happened. So Peter, you know, goes in and he, he he talks about the power of Jesus and God raised him up on the third day. And, of course, that was always preached. Did you know the gospel is not about a dead Jesus who died on the cross. It's about a, a live Jesus who was raised from the dead on the third day. We, we misconstrue that. We talk about the dead Jesus who, who died on the cross and forgives us our sins. Well, we got to get off that uh, narrative, okay? That, that's a great narrative, uh, but uh, also that he rose again on the third day and gives us resurrection power. Okay, you see what I'm saying? So we have to go from, from death to life because God has given us life. We don't serve a dead Jesus. He still ain't on the cross, folks. He is, he is alive and well, and he resides in you and me. And Paul says, but you have the mind of Christ. 
But look what it says. While Peter was still speaking, now he was, he didn't even finish his sermon. Now get this one. You're, you're, this is amazing. While Peter was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit fall upon all of those who were listening to his message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. And because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. You know, folks, I don't see here where they got saved. <laughs> you know, uh, okay, uh, hey, guys, uh, uh, we're going to stop, and uh, I want everybody to pray the sinner's prayer. Let me say it like this. There are times in the jail I would be speaking, we'd be speaking. This one young man, it was Walter, he was there, he was there this week and first time he was there. Uh, and I'm just speaking and I didn't even put out the net yet and the guy started crying. And so what, I, what must I do? You know what I mean? I didn't tell him how to get saved yet. <laughs> you know, you see, and see, Peter didn't. Peter was telling him about who Jesus was, but it, look what happens while he was still speaking. Uh, it says this that the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, and 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 get. And here's the deal. Always remember this, folks. Um, if you ever doubt uh, why you speak in tongues, here it is. Is because for they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. You see, and then Peter answered, "Surely no one can refuse water to those." to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he. Now, there was a little arrogance of that. They couldn't understand how the Gentiles got exactly what they got. Surely God can't refuse these guys, the Goyim. Right? And in order, he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked him to stay on a few days. Great story, isn't it? Let me direct your attention to Acts chapter 14. We're going to be, we'll be done with this. It says this in verse 19. Now, understand this, that Paul had just gotten resurrected from being stoned. I'm not talking about drinking stoned. <laughs> I'm talking about... They took him outside the city, and they threw rocks at him. And we're not talking pebbles. We're talking rocks designed to kill a person. And they will pelt you with rocks until you are dead. Well, they pelted Paul with rocks until he was dead. Now, now if you read Paul's litany in 2 Corinthians, he shared with the church at Corinth how many times he had been beaten. Three times less 39, less 40, uh, one less 40 lashes, right? Stone twice, right? Left for dead, in the cold. It goes on and goes on. But Paul was resurrected, you see. And he comes back in, and guess what? This is the first thing he says. Now, this is, this is where I want you to, to get this. I want you to understand this. Through many tribulations... We must enter the kingdom of God. Now, again, he comes back, and after he'd been stoned, remember, he just got off off the, off the turf. Got the, the disciples gathered around him, and they prayed, resurrected him. He, he was dead, okay? Because when you get stoned, you die. And they come out and check you to see if you're still got a pulse going on, folks. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, man, he got covered up with rocks and, uh, you know, whatever. No, he was dead. 
and he got resurrected, and he came back in and he said, well, look, <laughs> I guess it's pretty obvious. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had pointed elders for them in every church, having prayed and fasting and commended them to the Lord. Then it goes on and it says, and he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles and spent a long time there. The point of it is, is that change, when it comes to calling, it ain't going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. You didn't sign up for it. When you were, when you came to Christ, you said, when, when, when the stuff has been happening to some of you, and some of you have gone through some horrific things with your families, with your friends, with your health, and you love God, and you pray, and you fast, disappointments, church people, leaders, your own next to kin. Through many trials, we will enter the kingdom. So when change comes a calling, it may not be easy. But God has given you everything you need to withstand it. No temptation is overtaking you, but such as common man. And God is faithful, will not allow you the temptation to to uh, thwart you beyond or overtake you beyond, beyond what you can handle. But with the temptation will provide a way of escape also that you may be able to stand up under it. Right? Right. Right. So despite all the difficulties life may bring to us, all the changes, all the many times that, and trials that try to produce those difficulties, we still can flourish in the kingdom. Peter did it. Paul did it. Cornelius did it. They, they got the change. It came a calling. They embraced it. And you know how it was. Every one of the disciples, save John, and John was uh, exiled. They tried to boil John in oil, by the way, and they, and they exiled him to Patmos. Can you imagine surviving after being boiled in oil and then being exiled to an island? Everyone, even Peter, said, would not refuse to be crucified right side up, opted to be crucified upside down. The most horrific form of death. But they saw their Jesus. See, Peter, even knowing, knew that change was going to come a calling. Paul knew that change was going to come a calling. Cornelius. I hope that you know that change is going to come a calling. But God has given you everything you need to stand up under it. He's given you everything you need to make it. He's given you everything you need to walk through it. Folks, he has done that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Why don't you stand?